What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Blue, the self-proclaimed chillest podcast you've never heard of. I'm Taylor. And I'm Christian. And today's episode is a deep dive with our very good friend, Michael Kusaba. He he went to school for aerospace engineering, surfer, firefighter, travel buddy, you name it. New CrossFitter, if you didn't know. Superstar athlete, superstar firefighter, you name it. All-star everywhere. Michael Kusaba. Michael Kusaba. So yeah, thanks for being on this episode. This is our first time having a third party. Thank you for having me. Um, not a firefighter yet, but working on it. We can call you a firefighter. Almost still. there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it to you. So how have you been? This is the first time I've seen you in months. Months, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I've been I've been doing all right. Uh you know, with everything with the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, I was working as an EMT for a while. So I was trying to stay away from others as much as possible outside of work, just because I, I was seeing a lot of COVID patients at work. And then uh, I just like to stay busy with trying to get hired as a firefighter and stay fit and do all these interview sessions uh, for firefighter interviews. With and podcasts? Whatnot. Oh, yeah, and podcasts too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. So you've been doing well during quarantine then. You've been really in a great headspace. You've been working towards your next step in your career. And as Christian was saying, you're, are you really doing CrossFit? Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> are you doing it by yourself? No, uh, I go to a, a CrossFit gym and luckily they're, they're open and they have, um, space outside to do all the workouts and whatnot. Wow. You know, it's funny as I, my work is like less than a mile from his CrossFit gym. Really? So I'll drive down and I've, I've seen him like twice now. Yeah. <laughs> Pumping iron, <laughs> deadlifting 300 pounds, right? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll wave at me. So we just wanted to just ask you a couple questions about we your life. know about your story. Like, I think that that's one of the coolest things about us having a podcast is, you know, we have a lot of friends that are in really cool spaces, really cool careers. Um, and you're one of them and, um, we want to share your story, you know? Okay. Yeah. So we'll start it from school. Yeah. What made you choose aerospace engineering? So growing up, um, I always wanted to be an astronaut. I thought that seemed like a really cool job and career path and getting to float around in a space station always seems appealing to me. Uh, Well, it still does. But uh, I just kind of like went on through community college after graduating from high school and going down the whole whole math path and doing well (laughs) in the engineering and in physics courses and eventually I I transferred to Cal Poly St. Louis Obispo, where I um, got into their awesome aerospace engineering program. And um, throughout the whole thing, I, I really did enjoy it. But the further on I got through the program and doing various internships, I found that the the working engineering career world um, just didn't really align with Uh, I guess my upbringing and my expectations about having a career and so that's when I kind of started to transition uh, over to wanting to be a firefighter Uh, being raised in a a fire fire department family and and being raised with those kind of values um, working hard 
and your job, both physically and mentally, mm-hmm. was really important to me. And I didn't really find that sense of satisfaction within the engineering career world. And so <clears throat> I actually knew a couple of years before graduating that I wanted to transition over to being a firefighter. And so I started making taking steps towards that, um, becoming a state lifeguard and taking my EMT course at night and um, doing some wildland fire science courses at Cal Poly too. They, they offered a couple of really cool courses on campus there. So that, that's kind of like my educational path. Um, still ended up graduating with an aerospace engineering degree because I'd worked so hard on it um, and I didn't want to just leave that all behind. So I wanted to finish out what I started. Wow. That's so badass. Such bragging rights. I know. When you were younger, did you ever think about going into being a firefighter? Like, did the thought ever occur to you since you're, you know, your family's a fire family? Yeah, I did actually. I actually did, um, let's see, probably when I was like 12 years old around there, I did a junior fire academy out oh, in Oxnard. That's so cute. And everything from like uh, pulling hose, repelling out of a, a tower. Um, putting out like grass fires and with the fire extinguisher and fire hose, you kind of so did, did all they, of that. So did they like light, f- like the grass on fire? Yeah, actually they did. The it, was, <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> different, cool. different time. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, it's a different time. <laughs> yeah, they not, won't do that not now anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I liked it. The one thing that kind of like turned me off of it as a as a kid and sent me down the engineering path, I think, was. Um, I didn't like wearing a uniform at the time. Like I thought it was kind of kind of dumb and I didn't re- really want to work in a job that wore a uniform, but I didn't fully understand that even astronauts, you know, they wear uniforms or engineer. If you're yeah. an engineer, you have to wear a suit or business attire to the office. So I, I don't think I fully real- realized it that way. And then I, it was kind of also uh, along the lines like I didn't want to do just the same thing my dad was doing mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to do my own thing yeah um, but as I got older as I got more experience um, working and doing different jobs there's really no other no other job out there that I'd rather do than uh, firefighting that's awesome that's so cool. you made the transition now uh, you feel like it's more admirable than being in like your aerospace engineering career you think I, they both have their, their pros and cons. Um, the engineering field just doesn't fit. I hate the, to use the word like lifestyle, but mm-hmm. it doesn't fit um, kind of like uh, what I expect out of a day-to-day mm-hmm. job or career field. Okay. So I have a question for you. So I've been watching a lot of Netflix, and right now astronauts are hot. For all of you guys that know, are wondering. I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, so there's a lot of astronaut NASA shows, um, and I just finished Away. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I saw the trailer, yeah. I wasn't going to watch it. Really? (laughs) Are you like anti-astronaut shows because of, you know, your background? Yeah, so especially going through like a, you know, degree program and everything and having a a real solid understanding of that... um, that kind of not space but uh <laughs> pun intended yeah exactly that uh that field i guess mm-hmm. you really start to see the um factual inaccuracies 
Okay, I see. So it's like watching Grey's Anatomy and being a doctor. Yeah, where pretty you're like, much. This is too much. Got yeah, it. pretty much. And I know okay. a lot of my my fellow uh, classmates are the same way. We're anti astronaut yeah, shows. It's kind of like we'd maybe be able to watch it as a joke with a few of us and mm-hmm. joke around, but um, it's very distracting to any kind of storyline okay. <laughs> when you just see all these these little things add up. Do you that feel the same way sense. about, like, surf movies and, like, shark movies since you're in the ocean all the time? Are you anti, like, surf movie? Uh, I mean, you definitely, like, see it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel like with, with like, surf movies, if there's a joke in there, it's, it's a little bit more relaxed. Like, you know it's a joke. Whereas with the, uh, like, the, the space shows and whatnot, you're like... Mm-hmm oh, well, you know, mathematically that wouldn't work. And it just gets you thinking on it almost like a different kind of level. Oh, yeah, I understand that. So, okay, so what did you think of Interstellar? <laughs> yeah, Inter- I, was, I was about to ask him. Yeah, Interstellar is great. It's actually, um, I'd say it's one of my favorite movies. And uh, so this is why I love him. <laughs> we share the same favorite movie. Um, it's Yeah, it's really great. And the, for the most part, the physics uh, work out in it. It's more of a, a physics movie than an, an, an engineering movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the physics works out. There's uh, When you go to these large bodies within um, our galaxy or within our, our universe, because this takes place uh, presumably outside uh, our solar system and maybe even outside our galaxy, uh, you have these large masses, planets, stars, and whatnot, in space and the larger they are the more mass they have the the deeper the gravitational well and that um, all affects time and time dilation because time is really a dimension and so seeing that in action um, in interstellar and kind of reading about the the production of interstellar and having the um, uh, one of one of the world's most notable physicists work on it was really uh, convincing and it helped move the story along for both I think uh, physicists and engineers um, along with non-physicists and non-engineers <laughs> <laughs> people like me <laughs> that's cool wow that is crazy I never thought about that to hyper focus and think about the math and how it actually pans out and if it is realistic or not you know because yeah. I don't think I don't look at things mathematically. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way my brain works. Yeah. So it's really interesting to have a conversation with somebody that does think that way. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So did you read the book like about the science of Interstellar? Uh, I've read articles about it, okay. and I've seen some of the math. Yeah. Kind of. In reality, a lot of the time dilation math is pretty straightforward and pretty str- simple. It's just based on wow. the um, the the mass of the body that you're orbiting and the distance away from essentially the center of mass. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty simple uh, mathematical breakdowns. So when you start getting into like the, the wormhole theory and the, like the tesseract that's more theatrical and although wormholes like technically can exist, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe anything's ever been observed. Yeah. Wow. What do you mean theatrical? Uh, like adding fictitious, uh, material to make the story move along. Okay, yeah. so making wormholes seem more interesting. And yeah, exactly. Crazy and yeah, got it. I think uh, the 
the general consensus is no one can survive. No person can survive going through a wormhole mm-hmm. or into a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's it's still up for debate. And the science community is always uh, improving their theories and laws and hypothesis based on uh, data collected. So I guess it's always a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I feel like our listeners are learning way more than they have in the last 30 episodes. <laughs> we just wanted to know about his career. <laughs> well, he's such an interesting no, guy. Is, yeah, like, really you're cool. so well-rounded. You know what I mean? Like, you're an intellect. You're a brute strength. You, it's just, it's really cool. And so, okay, I want to know, we were talking about, like, the lifestyles. And that's kind of why I was bringing up um, the Netflix shows that I was watching, mm-hmm. um, where it seems like having that lifestyle is as an astronaut or as somebody that works at NASA seems demanding. Um, is that kind of what turned you off to it? Was it like you'd be gone for weeks at a time or months working on a project or what, what was it about the lifestyle? I wouldn't say so because with firefighting, you can, you can, uh, you obviously have the same, you have the 24 right. hour shifts and overtime and, um, mandates and, um, uh, going on, uh, wildland fires for days or weeks at a time and so the time commitment wasn't really the the issue is what I found working in an office is I was sitting all day mm-hmm. and I just felt like I needed to get up and move kind of de- kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and my limited experience I know there are positions out there that are a little bit more active within the engineering field um, a little bit more hands-on but um, with firefighting, I just saw that such clear example of every day you're really pushing yourself both mentally and physically, mm-hmm. um, and having the opportunity to train every day, learn a new skill every day was really appealing to me. Um, as well as the camaraderie with your fellow firefighters. I felt like I was missing that a lot, um, especially growing up and playing sports. Um, it had been a while since I'd been in that kind of environment and I feel like I really thrive with that type of competitive environment. Wow. Wow. Is that a is that a practiced answer for like a fire interview? <laughs> no, it's actually not. But maybe I could use it if you it comes could. up. I mean, I, I'm convinced I'll hire you. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know um, when you were going through your program in school, mm-hmm. what was like one of the coolest projects or one of the coolest things that you learned um, or experienced that was just really notable to people that are interested in aerospace or engineering or them together (laughs) yeah so with my school um it's a little bit different than a lot of other schools uh being that it's a polytechnic and so the whole program really revolves around you participating in extracurricular activities such as clubs um and it, it wasn't uh wasn't only to engineers with with my school you talk to anybody in any any major. Uh, you go, okay, well, what major are you? And like, oh, what clubs are you in? Mm-hmm. And if you found someone that wasn't in a club, you'd be like, well, what are you doing with all your time? Because like, you, at Cal Poly, you spend a lot of time in your extracurricular clubs. And so one of mine was um, Cal Poly Space Systems, uh, known as CPSS, and that was like the rocketry club on campus. And so I spent hours, uh, tens of hours of during the week um, in the workshop uh, or on my computer working on, on projects for them. And um, 
we had a couple projects throughout the year. The first was uh, we call them CERT rockets, certification rockets, and these are like three foot rockets, maybe around uh, four inches in diameter. And we get all our, our new members in on these projects and they, they make them and compete who can make the best one, who can uh, fly an egg the highest, and if they can recover the egg. And we go out to the desert and launch these things. And they go about a couple thousand feet. Um, so even though they're small, they're, they're pretty powerful. But the main project with that club was um, a larger rocket. And it was around, I want to say, I believe the final measurement was around 14 feet tall and 8 inches in diameter. And this, this thing was uh, powered by a hybrid engine. Um, essentially, we had rubber burning with um, nitrous oxide as an accelerant, if you can think of it that way, to accelerate the burn rate of the rubber. And so that, that all came out, and um, this rocket was designed to go over 20,000 feet in the air. Um, it unfortunately never launched when I was there, and due to COVID hitting, um, I think the club is relatively inactive with mm-hmm. the hands-on projects this year. Um, our hope was that the continuing students in the club after uh, seniors graduated would continue to work on it and finish out the project. Uh, I, I try to stay in the loop, but uh, yeah, unfortunately with COVID and um, the machine shops closed down, I don't think much physical work is being done on the, the rocket to progress it. But we got close. We had a we had a scrub a launch. We went out to the desert, um, planned this whole day out. It was months of preparation, and uh, we had a component fail right seconds before launch. And we had to scrub the launch and dump all our fuel. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the right conditions to launch again. So, hope hopefully see that launch in the future. Wow! Wow! That's uh, <laughs> that's really cool. Dang, that makes me want to join. Like a club like that, huh? <laughs> there, yeah, there's... That's pretty cool. Like every club you can think of there at Cal Poly is really a, a good time. Wow. So talking on clubs and kind of transitioning into your water background, mm-hmm. you were also pretty active in the Surfrider Foundation at your school's campus as well, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, when I transferred there in 2016, um, I had already been active in the Ventura County chapter, mm-hmm. um, just while I was in, pretty much while I was going to community college, going to beach cleanups and their monthly meetings. And so when I transferred to Cal Poly, I was excited to see on the on the club list that there was a surf rider chapter, a school school club chapter. Um, and when I got there, it was it was a little disappointing. There was only a handful of students in it, and uh, although we did our our monthly beach cleanups, that was about it. Um, my second year there, a freshman from Hawaii actually came in and she was a, a big environmental, uh, sustainability activist, uh, she's a very driven individual. And she came in and essentially revitalized the club, brought in a ton of new members. Her name is Marissa and I give her all the credit in the world to revitalizing this club. Um, actually made it one of the, the largest active clubs on campus. At one point we had, I believe, over 175 active members. Oh my God. And so we were doing beach cleanups every every month. Um, we were throwing um, essentially like uh, fundraising events. We had film festivals. We had uh, local bands come into play um, to help fund other local nonprofits that we gave, uh, like the entry uh, 
what's the entry gate price to mm-hmm. um yeah and so that was really awesome being a part of that and helping the club grow and uh specifically my role was a lot of the public outreach events so i held a booth at farmers market to educate the the local community um also helped out with a lot with logistics a lot of people called me actually got the the name team dad at the end of the <laughs> end of my last year i can see that oh my god i was always there kind of fixing things whatever need be fixed um solving logistic issues kind of being the voice of reason just because yeah. being a transfer student i was a little bit older than most of the uh the club uh, leadership and so they'd have all these like crazy ideas and i'd sometimes have to tone them down and make it a little bit more realistic but uh, i love that <laughs> they'd hand hand off various projects to me making uh, things out of wood and whatnot wow you know um we have called you dad before too there have been times where have we yeah we've gone to bars and we're all ordering drinks and you know it's a packed bar everybody's sitting at a table and all of a sudden kusaba's gone and we're like oh well we lost him i don't know where he went and he's at a table sitting there come on guys come on i remember that yeah, yeah he yeah, like finds that. tables and just like <laughs> <laughs> looking out for everyone just being the team dad you know actually i have a question so with almost 200 people part of this club mm-hmm. was the areas that you guys kind of were designated to clean were they fairly clean or was it always a disaster or after we went through, they were they were pretty good, okay. um, a lot better than I've seen on previous beach cleanups and other uh, with other chapters. Yeah, uh, just because the concentration of students that attend these beach cleanups and the mm. number, uh, we cleaned them up pretty good. But our main site in or near um, San Luis Obispo was Pirates Cove, mm-hmm. and this was kind of a uh, the county beach wasn't really monitored. Uh, kind of at the end of a dirt road um it was a place a lot of like degenerates hung out at uh there's a good n- number of like homeless people living in the the parking lot um kind of the there's also like a cave there and people had parties there and whatnot and so you know every month it we kind of went back and it it's almost like we hadn't done a, a beach cleanup the Aww. month before that's hard. Always a ton of trash, lots of cigarettes, lots of broken bottles and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it's a little disheartening and disappointing, but um, it does help illustrate that the root of the problem kind of starts uh, when you purchase something or at the supplier level rather than at uh, an end of product's life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for all of that information. That's <laughs> very helpful. Very awesome. You were a state beach lifeguard. Not anymore, right? No, I still am. You still are? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when did you get into that? Um, did your love of surfing come before that? And then you became a state beach lifeguard? Or were you like in the JGs? Um, kind of give us the rundown of that. Because you, you've you kind of been all over the place. You Firefighter, lifeguard, Surfer. aerospace. Like, <laughs> dang, guy. Just covering all elements. Yeah, I like He's the... He's an airbender. Diversity in my life. Yeah. Um, no, I was definitely... I surfed way before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned... I don't even know how old I was when I learned how to surf. Uh, never actually did JGs. I always thought the water was too cold, and they made us... <laughs> I, th- I always thought, like, they made you swim without a wetsuit, and it just, like, I never wanted to do it. I never... 
I don't think I ever realized that maybe I could bring a wetsuit and swim <laughs> in a wetsuit when I was younger. The, you never thought to ask. Either, yeah, exactly. Like, like it wasn't I, on the website. <laughs> my parents like prodded me towards it, but uh, I never did it. I'm, yeah, never. I wish I did. Now looking back. So did when you, did you become a state beach lifeguard? Let's see. It was. I want to say 2018. Summer 2018, 2019. Yeah. Summer of 2018. Um, I was about a year away from graduating and I kind of knew I needed to make a transition over to uh, the first responder realm of jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought this was an easy way to start my transition. I I love the beach. I love surfing. Um, I love being on the beach. And uh, I love the the first responder aspect of the job, um, as well as the the physical fitness level needed to perform the functions of the job. It kind of combined a lot of what I loved into a a relatively like entry level position. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how I how I kind of thought about it, or if I I may have seen like an advertisement or something. But um, yeah, I went through. California State Parks training. It was eight days down in Huntington Beach uh, of a training academy and um, was placed in Ventura and been a state guard ever since. And I love the job, um, but it's definitely a more of an entry-level job, uh, more of a stepping stone for me. I want a little bit more diversity with uh, being a firefighter. Do a lot of um, people who want to be firefighters start out as being lifeguards too? Uh, I'd say no. It's more so like most most people that are lifeguards, they do want to go firefighter because it's a little bit more of a stable career path. But people who want to be firefighters outside of lifeguarding, they don't tend to think of lifeguarding as uh, kind of a stepping stone on the way there. And so that's actually come in handy as um, a little bit of a selling point for myself uh, to diversify me. <laughs> From the you crowd. need a selling point, please. <laughs> God. Because most do like EMT first and then become paramedics and then. Yeah, but exactly. You did it all. You did EMT. You were a state beach lifeguard. You also know everything about fucking black holes. <laughs> He's also an aerospace engineer. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like you seem pretty desirable for. I, I'm really trying to uh, bolster my resume as yeah. much as I can. Well, congratulations. I don't think you're going to have any problems getting hired. <laughs> sure hope not. The pandemic's made it definitely more difficult, though, unfortunately. Do you have an interview coming up at all? Yeah. You do? Yeah. When's that happening? Uh, it's happening this Thursday for one of the, the biggest departments in the world. Or Which in the, is where? Uh, I'd you rather, can't disclose, yeah, Christian. I, I can't really disclose that information. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations. We're Thank very you. proud of you. Thank you. That's awesome. So um, now we could stop with your career because I feel bad that we just like asked you a million <laughs> questions. But uh, let's talk about something fun. You obviously are a surfer and we are surfers. You two, Christian and Kusaba, you guys went to Costa Rica, what, last summer? Or was it the summer? Yeah, it was last summer. Yeah, it was last summer. Yeah, you guys want to talk about that? Sure. Um, actually, like... I want to say a couple of weeks ago, it was like the exact day because I got a notification on my phone. Uh-huh. Like, remember your photos from last year? Yeah. Costa Rica. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, what was like your favorite day and then your least favorite day? 
I'd say my favorite day was, I don't even know what day this was, but we just scored at Playa Negra. Yeah. Um, I remember, I, I think I like got a little bit of shade in the barrel. The I tide, the, yeah. I think the tide was going down. Yeah. And so it's starting to drain out a little bit. It's sketchy. Um, and I, I remember seeing you just getting some awesome waves as I was trying to paddle back out through mm-hmm. the through the inside section. Um, so that was definitely one of my highlights. Uh, I'd say one of my one of my lowest days. I think it was probably the last night we were staying um, in that little, uh, not even a town, in the village near Playa Negra. And it was hot at night, couldn't sleep. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have any cell service. We were pretty <laughs> bored. Um, was this at Brian's? <laughs> it was at oh, Brian's. Yeah. The last night at Brian's? Yeah, I think oh, it was yeah. the last night at Brian's, <laughs> and I was just kind of done with done with that. Uh, I don't even know. It's not even a hostel. It was, like an, a, it, it was Airbnb. an Airbnb. Listed as an Airbnb. Cabin. Yeah. And this guy, he like moved from Florida to live in Costa Rica. He doesn't even surf. He, full-time? Yeah, full-time. We don't even know what he does for work. He just yeah. literally every time we walk out of the Airbnb he'd be like on the middle of the street, just like looking out, like down the road. He'd be in the middle of the street? Yeah, yeah, on the street, looking at the road. Like, it was weird. Like, we didn't even see him like bringing groceries either. No. Like, he's... Well, my favorite, my favorite memory of him was like, mind you, this was literally like, it was a village in the middle of a jungle, like dirt road in and out. Uh, had a, like a mini mart as their main, uh, like shopping for everything. Um, one restaurant kind of deal, but uh, <laughs> we were coming back from surfing, and Brian is like across the street from his place in the ju- like in the middle of a jungle, just kind of standing there. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "What is going so on?" Weird. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if for work he was growing like pot plants. I mean, um, I guess he looks possible. Like he, yeah, it's possible. I don't know. But I mean, yeah. Does anyone know the growing conditions? Maybe. I think they You're like a scientist. tropical stuff. <laughs> tropical. <laughs> there it is. I don't know. I feel like well, you'd have to be a little bit more determined, though. He just seems like he wasn't doing much. He was just, like maybe because he's high all the time. He's on <laughs> drugs just standing there. But this place had no AC. It said it had Wi-Fi, uh-huh. but it was like we had like a guest house kind of deal. Yeah. So the, wi- the router was in his actual house, and we had to like walk out next to his window like at night where the mosquitoes were like we i got destroyed i like i'd wrap myself in a towel yeah just to play on my phone for a little bit you guys couldn't like read a book or talk to each other no, or something bring, <laughs> bring just, anything good you just had to well, we, played, we played card games like the same card game like for an was, hour and a half and then we got tired of it it was rough <laughs> do you remember that one morning i woke up and i heard our neighbors having sex oh yeah because <laughs> oh there were like no windows either Oh, really? Yeah, it was like 7 a.m. too. Wow. I mean, they have to do it before it gets Wake really hot. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, so did you guys um, have to put like screens or something to protect the windows so you guys wouldn't get eaten alive? No, there were screens there. It was just, it was really hot inside. Mm-hmm. No AC. Yeah. And so like trying to sleep, you're just sweating. Uh, we had fans though, right? Yeah, we had yeah, fans. Ceiling fans. But, yeah, that's was, right. It wasn't helping too much. If we wanted AC, we'd have to pay extra. Yeah. I would have paid extra. Yeah, we were just stubborn about it. I think it was like kind of ridiculous yep. how, how much? much we had to pay. I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe like $20 more a night. Something like that. You yeah. guys. Taylor, we $20? were cheap. $20? That's well, nothing. 
Well, then we ended up, because uh, we had booked this place for pretty much our entire trip. Mm. Um, the Airbnb, like, reviews were good for it. Yeah. And so, and obviously neither of us had Clearly been to the... Clearly they used the AC. Yeah. Neither of us had been to the region or really known too much about it. We just kind of sent it on this trip. Um, and what did we last? Like three or four days there? Yeah, we were, yeah, we were supposed to be there for five days and we stayed for like three days. And we were supposed to be there for like seven days, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And we just found a, a last minute hostel like closer to the, like the city area. Tamarindo. Tamarindo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we actually ended up having fun there. Yeah, and I think that that hostel ended up costing us like twenty dollars a night, like both. <laughs> like the yeah, it was, really it was like cheap. the price of AC. Oh we we got this hostel with AC. Yeah, I think <laughs> the only reason why we liked Brian's place was because of the surf. Yeah, yeah, oh, the okay. surf was the sur- it was the so best good. surf of our whole trip. Yeah, um, but it's kind of like lesson learned. Now we now we know the area a little bit better and mm-hmm. willing to try somewhere else. That's awesome. So then when this pandemic is over, um, do you have a place that you're preparing to go next? Uh, not a not a place I'm preparing. I'd like to go to New Zealand. Okay. Um, nice. Not necessarily to surf. Uh, that'd be part of it. But um, it's been a goal of mine to go to New Zealand. And I have a couple friends there uh, that are willing to house me and whoever wants to come with me <laughs> for a oh, little bit that's awesome so the cool. it's just to kind of hang out with friends yeah to see there? see friends and see the sights uh from what i've heard new zealand is almost similar to california in that you have you have the coastal like the warm coastal regions and you also have the the mountains as well and everything kind of everything in between but a little bit more rainforest than uh, desert conditions well, that's really cool. Let's go with them. Whenever I'm, in, we, I'm uh, inviting myself. Yeah, I don't care. To, you plan it out. and <laughs> I don't care. Figure out when this pandemic is over. <laughs> if we can survive the Costa Rica trip together, I'm inviting myself. Especially <laughs> at that Airbnb. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being our first guest. Mm-hmm. We had a wonderful time talking to you. Yeah, and thank you for having me. <laughs> it was a fun time. <laughs> First podcast. Is this really? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate you uh, coming on here and talking with us. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you all later. later.